I'm Kwame Christian, and I am the CEO of the American Negotiation Institute, and I want you to check out my podcast, Negotiate Real Change. Listen to conversations with leaders in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, and learn the secrets behind what it really takes to become a successful advocate, ally, and change maker in your organization. Check out Negotiate Real Change on your favorite podcast player. LinkedIn presents... From entrepreneurship to global business leadership, from challenges to self-discovery to our ever-changing future, what separates those who win and those who get passed by? This is The Yes Factor with Winnie Sun. Hello, everyone, and happy Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Today's guest is a leading global media and tech marketer recently named Ad Ages 40 Under 40, PR Week's The Innovation 50, and Gold House's A100 list honoring the most impactful Asians in culture. She's well known in the global marketing space as a game changer, one who is dedicated to forging a bigger, bolder leadership path than the industry has seen thus far. She is none other than Katie Sue, CMO of innovative e-commerce company KiwiCo with numerous accolades under her belt. Katie knows what it takes to attain success in a competitive business landscape. But beyond that, she is well-versed in the challenges of the AAPI community in her industry and has dedicated herself to advocacy for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Today, she joins us for a conversation about her background, career, and vision for the future of her community. Stay tuned for Katie's remarkable story. are you, Katie? I'm great. Um, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy to celebrate you today. But I want to start from the beginning, Katie. You know, I feel like each of us has a very unique backstory. And yours definitely the case. I would love if you could share in your words, you know, your backstory and how you came to be involved in what you do today. Wow. You know, that's a long journey, but I think it really starts from when I was a kid and I grew up in the Bay Area from an immigrant family. I remember not really seeing myself represented, not just in leadership roles, but mostly in entertainment, the world around me, and just being unfamiliar with what that meant to someone who was growing up and trying to find their place in the world. And, you know, subsequently growing up, going to school, learning, you know, American history and seeing that a lot of American history didn't include the history that I had learned about, you know, from my family, my grandparents, my grandfather on my dad's side was actually, you know, born here in America. And he was one of the early families in San Francisco. And if you actually go to the Asian Art Museum, there is a lot of, um, photographic records of my family just settling into San Francisco way back in the day. And the story that they told is not necessarily covered in the history books that we know it. And knowing that as a kid and then growing up and getting a college degree, doing the thing that everybody, you know, in our families always tell us to do, get a stable job, get a steady job, do the thing that makes your family proud, which is don't rock the boat, put your head down, do great work and build great things, but don't take the credit for it. It would, it took a lot to shed that, I think. And the more I grew up in that world and the more I had my own set of experiences, whether it was 
being, you know, othered in certain rooms or noticing the difference in the way people treated me versus, you know, other people, I started to build up a sense of, you know, what those data points were. And through those data points, I began to develop my own identity, who I was, my own voice, who I became ultimately as a leader. And so I think if I were to start from the very beginning, I always think about the legacy that I want to leave behind. And I always ask myself, what is the thing that I want to be remembered by? Like if one day, not to be all morbid, but like if one day I got hit by a bus, what would I want people to think about when they thought about me? I don't necessarily feel like I want people to remember me as, you know, a great marketer or the brands that I've built. I want them to remember me as somebody who made a lasting impact in the world around me, um, in the industries that really were trying to do positive change globally. And the way that I gave back to my community and the way that I continued to pave way for more people like myself who never had someone to look up to when they were a kid, how can I do that for others? And then how can I continue that effort so that others may be inspired to do the same? Katie, that's incredible. And just hearing you say that, you know, so often we can talk about the experiences and your professional accolades, which are plenty, which we just shared earlier, but to have something that you're so proud of. And I think that speaks volumes about your perspective of your role in the Asian community and your leadership. So let's talk about this. I'd love if you could speak about the experience that you've experienced as a leader and the importance that you see as increasing diversity and representation. You had mentioned the different industries that you've been part of, right? We talked about entertainment and consumer brands. What is, how, how is this important to you? And so what are those, some of the steps that you have taken to increase representation across the teams that you've managed? That's such a great question. And I think a lot of times, you know, there's always that thing that you have to be careful of, which is when you are with a group of people who have encountered similar experiences, how do you ensure that it's not an echo chamber, that you are taking tangible steps to make a difference, doing things that actually do make the workplace or the environment better? And I've always been very cognizant of that. And I think it's because my own set of experiences growing up and being in leadership rooms where you always felt like you had to fight for the seat that you had. And I think over time I realized, well, I think it's better to just build my own room and invite the right people to the table and do marketing, do growth, do creative, do all of those things the right way so that I can create a world that actually looks like the world around me and one that I grew up in. And so if you take HBO Max, for example, truly one of the most amazing rides of my career, best team in the business, I had such an amazing time building that. And the reason being is because for all the reasons you listed, like all the areas I covered, all of the editorial curation, all of that, and the people I had brought on board with this dream of making something truly feel like people belonged. And the only way you could do it was to actually put it into action. So if we just talked about, you know, media and performance, how could we work with agencies and partners where, you know, 25% of the team actually represented the campaigns we were trying to, you know, market towards? How could we try to dispel this concept of multicultural marketing and just ensure that the people hired on the marketing teams in their DNA believed in multicultural marketing because they were from the communities that we were reaching out to? How do you curate content and collections that spoke to an audience from a whole and a holistic perspective versus just maybe what the perception of, you know, API content could be? 
And that goes for every underrepresented group. And so we made a lot of efforts to try to encourage that thinking. And I'm also incredibly proud of the team that I had because you know, from a grassroots level, we developed a internal organization called Bold, which is building organizational leadership through diversity. And, you know, I didn't really ask for permission to do that. I just saw a huge gap and a need in the company and also among our own teams to do that. And I empowered the leaders within the organization to conceive something that would ultimately become a very safe place where people could come and speak about the challenges they were facing, you know, sort of the raw emotions that came to light during, you know, Black Lives Matter, Stop Asian Hate, and frankly, like every kind of challenge that we were facing as entertainment, because that is really where, you know, people see the world reflected. And you do want to be able to move at the pace of culture and be able to create positive change that you want to see in the world. And I felt like we had an opportunity to do that. And beyond that, I think it's just that I'm incredibly proud of hiring and cultivating the next generation of leaders that I truly believe in my heart will be the generation that leads us to a better place. You know, they they all think differently about the world. They are strategic. They're smart. They think about cultural values. They lead with empathy. And I think a lot of times the best thing for leaders to do is to grow more leaders who can actually make a positive impact too. And so, you know, from there, I took a lot of the ethos of what I believed in and I brought it to KiwiCo. And KiwiCo as a brand is actually something that really believes in, you know, creative confidence in the next generation. How can you influence STEM learning and make science accessible? How can you sort of help people realize that you can make those decisions from a very young age and help educate them and help them learn and help them understand how to best learn and make up their own opinions in this complicated world sometimes. And, you know, it's just been a very purpose-driven journey thus far. And, you know, I still continue looking for those adventures and opportunities that let me not just cultivate incredible teams, but build great products, curate amazing content and stories and brands, and actually bring people closer to a world that we all want to live in. Bring us closer to a world we all want to live in, says Katie. And I, and I love that story of how you said, you know, as, as children of immigrants, right, you know, we are very much been told to be a certain way of, like you said earlier, head down, really focus on what you're doing. But it's incredible the reach that you have, especially, I think, with your background at HBO Max in the entertainment space and seeing that opportunity, not only in front of the camera, but making sure that the team um, is strong enough and and that and the hope in those future leaders. Because, Katie, I was going to ask you that. It must have been hard to leave HBO Max seeing the impact that you're having, right? And knowing that, wow, we've done so much, but we could do more. But given the fact that you've brought in the right people on the team must have made you feel comfortable to move on as well. Yeah, that was actually one of the, my team will tell you today, it was actually one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make because when you get to handpick your team from scratch and you get to grow together and you are launching a business in the height of the pandemic and you're doing it, you know, with the level of camaraderie and empathy for family and the macro levels of everything happening in the world around you, there is a closeness that you can't really describe. And I really felt as though we built something incredibly magical and special together. And that team 
was the embodiment of that. And so making the decision to leave was really difficult for sure. And, you know, I debated it at length, but I'm a builder at heart and I'm very entrepreneurial. And to me, I always look for opportunities to continue building and continuing to like forge new technology paths and do things that haven't been done before. I mean, to me, the most exciting thing is if there is a set playbook, how do you break that? How do you rebuild it? How do you make it better? How do you develop industries and categories that don't exist? How do you design for that? How do you build teams within that? And then how do you create revenue from that world that actually makes it more sustainable in the future? I just felt it was time. I felt it was time to go and do something new. At that moment, obviously, it was something very purpose-driven and self-fulfilling and in a way that I felt I could give back and also leverage everything that I had learned and apply it to the next generation. And now, I mean, I still think about that all the time, like with Web3 and everything that's emerging, there's so much change happening around us all the time. I think, you know, sitting still is not really the way that I have been, but my hope has always been that of the people I've worked with, of the people I've had the opportunity to partner with, that they will continue on that mission and create these rooms and break down doors and break down barriers and keep the mission going. Because once you break down the door, it's gone. And so like, how do you keep it open? And how do you ensure that that change is something that lasts a long time in the industry and makes an impact? You know, I think sometimes it's not just about the team structure. It's about pushing for content to green light that represents the world around us. It's about making sure agencies fulfill in the promise of diversity and inclusion as well. It's about, you know, how you spend media dollars that invest back into the communities you are marketing to, you know, how do you create that ecosystem? And then how do you ensure that your team will continue to carry that vision through? And so it was time for me to go. It was a difficult decision and I miss them all very much, but we all stay in touch, you know? And I think that that's the magical thing about building a great team and having those interconnections is that you were never really far apart. And I believe in my heart that we will all work again together again. We'll be right back with Katie after a quick break. Hi, I'm Kwame Christian, CEO of the American Negotiation Institute, and I have a quick question for you. When was the last time you had a difficult conversation? These conversations happen all the time, and that's exactly why you should listen to Negotiate Anything, the number one negotiation podcast in the world. We produce episodes every single day to help you lead, persuade, and resolve conflicts both at work and at home. So level up your negotiation skills by making Negotiate Anything part of your daily routine. Hopefully, I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that you'll work together again. But I love that. I think it, it goes so much beyond work, right? You found the right team, the right heart, and hopefully that door will continue to, to be open and that we'll see even more representation on screens, you know, behind screens, at desks, because it's good business. Diversity is very good business. And I want to talk about this, Katie. You know, you speak about your experience as a leader and, of course, the importance of increasing diversity and representation at companies, organizations that you've been a part of. What steps have you taken? You talked about obviously building the right teams. Like how do you make sure that that continues even after you've gone? I'm, I'm guessing, of course, the core values are already within the people that you've selected, but is there more? Yeah, I mean, it's continuing the mission of you know, encouraging diversity and inclusion, not just in the marketing materials, but the creative, you know, even if you think about something as simple as, you know, an editorial art, 
Like, how do you make sure that the art actually reflects multiple titles that speak to the full diaspora of an audience versus just one slice of the world that may be more stereotypical? Or how do you ensure that the dollars being invested in media actually make sense because they're going to agencies that are representative of those audiences and underrepresented communities? I think that it's so much more than just you know, wanting to do the right thing. It's waking up every day and actively choosing in my day-to-day decisioning of the area I have spanning control over. What can I do that continues the efforts to make sure diversity and inclusion is a part of my work, to make sure the marketing materials reflect the same ethos? And then how do I ensure that this message is not just, you know, a footnote in a story, that this is so much more and that we should keep doing this because you're absolutely right. It's great for business. You know, and that's the crazy thing that we talk a lot about, you know, especially during this month. A lot of people look at it like a celebration of our heritage once a year. And I've said this before to many people and many teams. I think every day should be a celebration of our heritage. How do we weave that into the products, the brands, the marketing that we do, our comm strategy? How do we ensure that our story isn't just a one day story, a one month story? It is a story that is celebrated, heard and learned among many people in many groups every single day of the year. And this goes for all underrepresented groups. And I think it's so important to remember that. And so that is just something that I try to instill within the teams and also a way that, you know, I try to do the work that I do. I currently chair Asia Society Southern California. And so much of what we do is about, you know, the mission of bridging US and Asia through art, entertainment, sustainability, education, you know, how do we continue bringing those groups together so that there is a shared learning and that there is a shared understanding of our cultures and values. And I think just continuing to give back in that way and continuing to push and bring more people on to do that, it just keeps the efforts going. I would love, I always say like in a perfect world, I would love to one day not have these organizations exist because we no longer need them. But until that happens, we need to do everything that we can to continue, you know, moving these organizations forward and bringing in new people, bringing in new ideas and continuing to invest in them so that there is a sustainable advantage for us in the future to push us towards progress. Yes, I love that. Pushing towards progress is so important. You know, um, that's the thing is we do know that there's still a lot of work to be done. We continue to see that. And we know that you've done a lot of work in the community, your advocacy, your work with nonprofits for the AAPI community as a whole. And of course, it hasn't been easy to show up and do this type of work, especially since we continue to see anti-Asian sentiment. We saw a lot of, unfortunately, kind of ugly conversations about this from politicians and the media not that long ago. We continue to see violence even over the past few years. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you consistently are you able to show up? I know you've got a lot on your plate already, professionally, personally, but how do you continue to do this show up and lead? What's sort of your overall goal or hope for the future. But meditation is fantastic. <laughs> so I encourage everyone who doesn't do it today. It's an incredible thing. I think it's, you know, when I was pulled into this, you know, all the conflict that was happening, it was really hard, right? Because all the trauma for what we experience gets opened up and you sort of are, are left to sit and look at it. And especially I remember 
when the Stop Asian Hate started to peak. A lot of it occurred in, you know, my hometown, Oakland. I grew up in Chinatown, Oakland, because my grandparents lived there. And I used to spend so much time walking those streets, going to those stores. And I felt like I knew all the uncles and aunties there. And we had very like, you know, deep relationships because it's a community and you just got very personal with people that you grew up with. And so it really hurt in an emotional way because not only was it personal because I had memories and history in the locations in which it was occurring, but it was very targeted to a community that I think we all realized it was happening, but it was just never really talked about. And so there is always a choice at that point. You could either continue down the path of doing what you're doing because you're either busy or there's a lot going on and it's very difficult to carve out time to focus on it. Or you make the determination that at some point I will trade one thing I'm focusing on and dedicate a part of my hours to do this because this is important and that this is something that I want to do. And the latter is actually what I ended up doing. I still advise companies, I mentor founders and take a couple of those off your plate and you try to take those hours and reallocate them to doing something that hopefully will make the community stronger. And it's going to take a lot of work, you know, brick by brick and all of us coming together. You know, um, we recently launched at Asia Society Southern California, an initiative last year called Asian Women Empowered. And that is really a community focused on bringing together Asian women of all walks of life, all industries of all Asian descent, so that we could come together and build a community of people who could support each other, offer mentorship, think about the research that we could actually start sharing because, you know, Asian sometimes can be a very broad topic, but if you actually slice it down to Asian women, I mean, our representation is even less in leadership rooms. And during COVID and the pandemic, I mean, so many mothers and women actually took a step back in their careers to do childcare. And so many of my friends went through that too. And I just recall like how incredible it was to just have a forum where everyone could share their concerns and support each other and just know that you're not taking a step back in your career. You're simply doing something that you are prioritizing and you are going to come back and do what you believe is right and contribute to the community in the way that you believe makes sense for your life. But nevertheless, you are still contributing. And so everyone, it's different. I think this is just what the choice that I made and the time allocation that I decided to give it. I love how you say you just have to make the decision, you prioritize, and you basically trade one thing for another, but this needs to come uh, to the forefront. I love that. I love to learn from you. What's the best professional advice that you've actually been given? Give yourself permission to exit rooms that don't value or see you. You are the one in power and in control, and no one, no one can tell you otherwise. I know about you. I got chills when I heard her say that. <laughs> But that's really, really proper. Thank you so much for that. All right, Katie, second question is this, you know, we believe that everyone has their own yes factor. What would you say that yours is? This is such a hard question. I think truly it's my heritage. I love growing up Asian American. I love that I come from an immigrant family. I love that I get to share with others that heritage, the food, the culture, the tradition, all of that, I think, has made me a more empathetic leader, a more empathetic person. And that is something that I hold very, very dear. And I think it's tied to my identity. And something that's very important to me is I want people in their lives or in their career to be able to show up as their whole self fully. No matter who you are, what your background is, what your title is, you should always be able to show up in the room and be fully yourself. 
and you have to lead by example. And so that is something that I really try to embody every single day. Like, this is who I am. This is my culture and heritage. I speak the language. I read and write Chinese and I'm incredibly proud of it. And I want people to also feel empowered to do the same. Feel like your true self. How beautiful is that? I'm, I'm loving this. And I think that for many of us who grew up in immigrant families, we didn't actually feel that way until later on in life. And I can certainly attest to that as well. So thank you so much, Katie. Incredible experience with you. Anything else that I didn't ask you that you'd like to share? You know, the one thing I will share, because it is, you know, the month of celebration, um, never be afraid to use your voice. And a lot of times the question I get is, how do I use my voice? You know, certain rooms don't welcome it or certain individuals don't want to exchange thoughts with me about certain topics. I would say, you know, I am contrary to popular belief. I'm actually an introvert, um, but it took a long time for me to come out of my shell and frankly, take up space. And I was encouraged to take up space and to use my voice and to use the platform to do good. And so I would offer the same to all of you listening today. Use your voice. Don't be afraid of it. And like I said earlier, if you use your voice and it's met with unwelcome feedback, then give yourself the permission to find a room that welcomes you, that values you, and that sees you for your whole self because you matter. Whether you're a proud member of the AAPI community or a supportive neighbor, I hope you took a valuable lesson from Katie's story. Together, we can celebrate our differences, what brings depth to each of our backgrounds and color to each of our characters. Together, we can recognize the incomparable contributions we each bring to the table. And together, we can build a better future where we see ourselves and our leaders and our leaders can see us. If this episode resonated with you or if you have questions, please comment and subscribe. I love to hear from you. Join me again next week as we share another new episode of Yes Factor with you. Thank you and be well.